Yo, it's recording. Oh no. Oh yeah. That's so scary. Oh, it's not scary, no. So this is Cripple Threat episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have like some intro music. Maybe let's just be us. Let's just make the intro music right now. Like singing. Right? That's it. Sure. <laughs> you you wanna you wanna join me in a <laughs> in singing the the crippled head yeah. yeah, you you can just be in the background and be like crippled threat. Can you do like one of those narrator voices this week on crippled threat? This week on crippled threat, <laughs> Tony and Jamie talk about uh, devoteeism. Cutting right to the lead. Yeah, so like everyone, I'm. Okay. And I'm Jamie. That's Jamie. And we are very disabled. Yes. Emphasis on disabled. And for me, emphasis on very. Jamie's like, Jamie's like pretty disabled. He's like, he's like mildly, mild to, he's like a 6.4 on the disability spectrum. Uh, my orthopedic surgeon described it as a, uh, uh, Collection of residual deformities. My orthopedic surgeon re- described it as, "Wow, okay, <laughs> six to eight weeks." <laughs> um, you're over six years old. That's crazy. Yeah, you're a miracle. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, um, we're just gonna try to record us, and we'll have some friends on, and maybe we'll get uh, some. Smart people on too, and talk about disability stuff, and yeah, uh, we should go over actually our disabilities, right? Yeah, we should probably do that. Yeah, let's start with you as the entry level disability, and then I'll go like pro level disability. Yeah, like I'll ease people into disability, and yeah. then you'll you'll take them. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's good. I'll take oh. them for a ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I have uh, cerebral palsy. Um, I was born, I want to say, two months premature. I was supposed to be a late February baby, and I ended up being, oh, yeah, I was supposed to be a, a late February baby, and I ended up being a mid-December baby. And then, Did you just remember your birthday? <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking old. But anyway, so um, I have CP which is kind of like, or I've heard it described to me as a stroke at birth. So I have, um, you know how like a stroke, like predominantly affects you on one side and it can, it, it has a multitude of different kinds of symptoms because it's like brain damage. So, you know, I, uh, b- because of my asymmetry, I have trouble weight bearing and, uh, like, you know, my feet are mal-shaped and stuff. And so, I, I like, growing up, I had a bunch of orthopedic surgeries to, quote-unquote, correct those deformities. And uh, those surgeries were pretty shitty and kind of traumatic and probably weren't uh, good for me. <laughs> at the age of four and 13. Um, but, you know, yeah, so I need help. Uh, just stop there. I need help. Yeah, I need help. Yeah. Help me. That's what this podcast is for. You, you guys help are going to help me. Help us. Um, was that a full <laughs> enough explanation, Tony? I could kind of go on about how many forever. surgeries did you have? I'm actually, I don't think I know. <laughs> so I had three. Oh, okay. uh, that's not that's not crazy. Well, no, but the one that I had when I was like 13, like right before my last growth growth spurt was referred to as the shark attack uh, because of the number of incisions that were required. They did like nine consecutive procedures and I was on the table for like eight hours. And when I came out, I was like super stoned. And nice. my parents, uh, it, it was in Minneapolis and Spider-Man 1 had just come out. And I remember my parents like <laughs> coming into the post-op room and like they were so happy to see me and that I was okay and smiling and surrounded by like y- like young, enthusiastic uh, nurses. And they like brought out this Spider-Man t-shirt and I was super mesmerized. And uh, it, it was just like a super positive experience. And then, you know, all the drugs wore off and then it was like six weeks of 
of like semi agony and discomfort and bedpans and annoying stretches and uh, uh, every piss I had to take was an ordeal. And uh, yeah, this is that's. I feel like we have just decided our audience right there. Like if you even know where the bedpan is at this point. Yeah, you're, you're in for a trip. Oh, dude! If 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 you've ever suffered the experience of shitting in a dry pan, uh, like on a on a bed while lying completely flat on your back, yeah, you have to you, like it like digs into your butt and like oh oh <laughs> yeah, and it takes you like it takes you like over an hour because you have to mentally put yourself in a position to be okay with the situation. I don't think I've ever been able to successfully do it. I think every time I get stage fright and I'm just like, it's not going to happen. Stage like one fright. time, yeah, like one time I remember being in a hospital and I was like, it, it had been days for me. And I, I I think I even like took an enema, which um, that's like, that's in itself. Have you ever had an enema? Uh, like a suppository? Oh, no. An enema is like, I think it's like, uh, it's like a liquid Dang. Oh man, this is is it what this people is too much to start oh, with? Oh, we're yeah, gonna be, yeah, no, we're no, gonna no. like we're losing viewers already. We're we're place. going. We've fallen way way down the rabbit <laughs> yeah. hole. We're, we're saved down for the Patreon. Yeah, I'm yeah. Talking about it anyways. Right. So, uh, send us a quick note if you want a, an anima only episode, and we'll go deep in. Yeah, yeah. DM us if you want us to talk about our BMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll show our BMs in the DM. <laughs> you want so a CPBM or an SMABM? What kind of DM you want? Yeah, so speaking of which, uh, Jamie has CP. Um, I have more letters in mine. So it's spinal muscular atrophy, which is a, uh, honestly, I don't really know that much about the science. I'm pretty sure my muscles don't produce a protein that your your muscles need to like, or my body, I think it's like your spine is supposed to produce it and it doesn't. It's like the SMN2 and my body doesn't. So basically like the result is I have a crooked neck, my hands don't work, um, but essentially it's like over time, I just get weaker and uh, I I don't I, I think it's like yeah you just get weaker and weaker and eventually you just stare at stuff that's that's how that's how it ends for you just staring oh god <laughs> oh god you're just like looking blink twice for cereal blink three times for pasta <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> This, honestly, like, what we're here to talk about for the first episode, if there are any devotees that listen to this, they will probably be so excited about everything we've said so far. Like, the fact that we, like, need help to do everything, and the fact that, like, talking is hard for me, or swallowing is going to be harder and harder. People are going to be so excited about that. Like the fact that if like if like the OC transpo bus you're riding on hits an aggressive bump, you might have to ask a perfect stranger to put your head back on yeah. your chest. <laughs> yeah, and just like, I mean, that's always the... We've talked about so many of these stories before, and I never know which of them are like funny or interesting and which of them are just... Because it, it's hard to tell these stories, even just as soon as you start talking... Even when you were talking about your disability, and I know you, I know you're not like bummed out about it or whatever, but it's like it's it's hard to not feel bad when someone starts being like, and this doesn't work, and this doesn't work, and I can't do this, and this won't work, and one day I won't be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, you have to approach it with a with a sense of humor and like a flair and excitement for the absurdity of your situation, uh, because it is like ultimately absurd, but it, it's not, it's not insurmountable. And no, so, I mean, both of us are pretty good at just like making jokes about it. And it's just super 
it's like a very easy way to cope. And I don't, I think that's pretty common. I think you're either super bitter, jaded, and cynical, or you just find a bunch of ways to make it fun. Right. I don't think there's really like, I don't know. Maybe we'll meet some more disabled people throughout this experience and we'll see some other people who are just like, or you could just be a normal person. And we'll be like, oh, we didn't, we didn't know that, that would work. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, have we done enough of an intro about ourselves? I mean, we got like, we got so much stuff we could talk about and go into, but I don't know. I think we'll kind of get into it as we discuss this devotee video that spurred our podcast to begin yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. This episode is going to be a pretty interesting start because it goes. I mean, it talks a lot about like the dating world. That's how I got introduced to the the concept of devotee. Maybe we should just start with that. Like, what is a devotee? So, a uh, a devotee is considered a. Um, a fetish whereby a, a, a non-disabled individual is uh, sexually attracted to a disabled person because of the inherent struggle of their disability. And it's also under an umbrella of people who A, pretend to be disabled and B, like, wish that they were disabled. Yes. Th that's a thing, too. And Which, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of conjectures, like via Wikipedia, on why people would fall into this, um, or why people would develop this complex. Yeah, which we should, I definitely go into. All right, maybe we should like go over the video a bit because it's pretty wild. So the the premise of uh, this video is a um, a, B, a disabled BBC correspondent um, uh, while she's. <laughs> or shout sorry. out to Emily Yates. Oh yeah, Emily Yates, that's her name. She's quite put together and very presentable and very professional, very likable in fact. She's got cool like fashion too. She like she, lots like of very, color. Very colorful. She has yeah. like a bracelet made of like every button you can find in a button store. And then, yeah, like, she looks like a bouquet of flowers like like yeah, on wheels. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not tacky. Like, it's actually quite... It's attractive. almost smart. It's almost like a smart way of being a disabled person. I dress yeah. in a lot of, like, grays, and, like, I wear jeans pretty much every day. It's, like, jeans or khakis. That's, like, all I wear. But for yeah, but her, always... she's kind of figured out, like, if I dress, I have pink hair, and I wear every color you can imagine all at once, maybe they won't even notice. Or, like, maybe it won't matter. Like, they'll be focused on me, the person, rather oh. than, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's almost you like think a, a her, cool life hack. Excuse me, you think her, um, like, uh, fashion is a way to distract people from her situation? Well, I don't know if it's, like, a conscious thing, but I think that it's, even if you, if, like, now I'm starting to think, maybe I should get, like, a crazy hat, and then people will look at the hat, and, like, and then they'll be like, oh... What's going on with the hat? No, like, forget. I don't think that there's like no, I can't even crop myself from the head, like the neck up and try to hide it. Like, there, I wouldn't be able to, uh, I wouldn't be able to, like, I, I can't go on a Zoom call without people knowing. Like, there's, for you, you can, like, if you're cropped from, like, the nipples up, then I feel like people aren't going to find out. Yeah, but I'm not really interested in hiding it from people. No, I'm not saying you should be. I definitely don't think you should be, but it's it's kind of like a funny social experiment to see if you like how far could you get before, especially now that we're quarantining. How far could you get <laughs> like without someone finding out? Like you have a, a dating profile, and you take a bunch of pictures, and it's just you cropped from the shoulders up. Maybe a couple of them like. You're like, I don't know, in a position where you don't look disabled, but you can still see more of your body. Because you're also like, this dude is being a bit humble, but he's like ripped. Like he's got very strong arms and like, well, probably one of them stronger than the other. But like, uh, you know, he's uh, he's definitely not he, not weak. Like he can transfer himself and 
everything, but um, I think you could easily pass nipples up as an able-bodied person, and then you start meeting them on dates on quarantine, and at what point are they like, something's weird about why this, why is this guy never like standing in his pictures? <laughs> why, why is he always posing behind cardboard cutouts of, of muscular men standing? <laughs> <laughs> There's like a, a pretty clear Photoshop line from the lake down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like winter on the top and summer on the bottom. Why is he always wearing Captain America pants? <laughs> <laughs> Does he actually own the shield too? <laughs> hey, uh, uh, is it like, would you consider it a major asset within a dating context to be able to quote unquote pass? As a able-bodied person in your profile? I think the least, like, if, yeah, well, kind of. Like, I think unless you're a devotee, which we'll get into, and uh, I'll make sure my email address is attached to this podcast. If you <laughs> <laughs> and your, your, your Bumble profile ID? Yeah, I'll put my Bumble profile in there. My, all the dating profiles in there, make sure... Make sure that you have no hard time contacting me. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that it's not, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And I don't think it's uncommon for a person, uh, especially when you're dating over an app, which is like a super superficial way to meet someone. You're trying to meet them based usually pictures first. And and so, yeah, like I think if you can pass as like, oh, this guy could probably like transfer into a car. That's that's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like me, they're like, oh, <laughs> this guy needs like, yeah, he's portable. Worst case, you throw him in the back of the pickup truck and he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, for me, it's definitely people are like, oh, like, pretty sure you need like lessons on how to move his head. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably a manual. He comes yeah. with a crane. Yeah. <laughs> Before you can date Anthony, you have to get certified in uh, like neck arrangement, <laughs> like body mechanics. <laughs> like I should just put X-rays on my dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> just put like, here's my spine. This is what you're getting into. My neck only. I'll, I'll put like doctor's reports. But yeah. I, I, <laughs> Here's an array of <clears throat> doctor-approved, like, sexual positions. <laughs> it's just like, I'll ship you the comments to with all the pages ripped out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just empty. <laughs> <laughs> just a picture of a starfish. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely think that... <laughs> 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 no, I, I, what do you think? I mean, you also have done online dating. I do online dating. Um, First of all, do you put your disability, like, how do you approach it? Do you go... It's the uh, opening sentence. What? I can't like, do so? uh, Yeah, No, like, bef before, before anything else, I just want to let you know that I have cerebral palsy, which means that I'm confined to a chair, but fairly autonomous and... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I've always wondered that, too, because it's also in my profile. Mine's near the end, though. I start with, like, here's here's me. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is why I'm dating material, whatever. And then at the end, it's, like, also, I'm in a wheelchair. But I, I make jokes. I cannot. I think in my thing, it says something like, uh, I'll be sure to set up an OnlyFans account or something like that. <laughs> like, I'm straight up. Like, I'm not, I have a hard time just being like, let me sit you down and tell you about my life. Because I feel like the pictures are doing that already. Or at least in my case. In your case, maybe your pictures don't make it as obvious. Like, what your, my main picture on my dating profile is usually like a full body shot of me in my chair. Um, yeah. Or, as I mentioned, an x-ray of my back. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's it's a a quick video of me getting transferred to the toilet or something. <laughs> <laughs> Off of Pornhub. 
<laughs> 40,000 plus views. <laughs> It'd be a good way to track my progress. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's a very interesting thing. It's like, I've, I've had opening lines. And now in one of my dating apps, like, I kind of rate them. I use a bunch. I'm desperate. I, I rate them in terms of like, how much is this just a hookup app versus how much is this something people are trying to take seriously? So for me, like, the bottom of that totem pole is Tinder. And so on Tinder, I get messages that are like, does it work? Like, that's the opening line. But like from women? From women. Like, does it work? Really? Yeah. I I would love for a woman to ask me that question. (laughs) 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 Well, that's what we do in the podcast. (laughs) We'll make sure Jamie's email is here too. So if anyone wants to ask him if it works... You can send them a quick message. And then you say yes, and then you stop responding. That's it? They're like, I was hoping you'd say no. <laughs> the devotee would be more attracted to you if it didn't work. <laughs> if it didn't They'd work. They'd be like, I'll make it work. <laughs> I'll make sure it doesn't work. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I've had that for sure. Actually, pretty recently, um, someone... Uh, it was just like, does it work? And I was like, oh, yes. And how does it make you feel when they ask you that? Um, now I just put it right in my profile. At the very end, it's like, and yes, it works, you perps. That's what it says. Wow. See, that's funny because what that tells you is that uh, when people see your profile on a dating app, like I'm sure it's the first time for many people that they've even considered that a disabled person would want a romantic life. Yeah. And Which so, is, yeah. They're like, I've never even considered this. And then they're like, wait, like, can you even, can I even be intimate with you? I didn't know that was possible. I didn't even know you were on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, I think I'm just a side dish because that's pretty popular right now. But like your garlic mash. Yeah. Or like, you know, just like a uh, light Caesar salad with way too much dressing. I yeah, but you're not, like you're not a side of vegetables. I, I am almost a vegetable, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're like a delicious vegetable, like broccolini or something. You're, you're slathered in oil. It tastes yeah, good, Tony. Dude, I'm just gonna be a raw cucumber, bro. <laughs> no, I'm don't not. say that about yourself. <laughs> hey, we should we should talk about. Uh, this Yates woman and her video about devotism. Yeah, yeah, we made this so much about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> this Yates woman is is wonderful. Uh, she is, she's yeah. in, she's incredibly presentable. She's professional. She looks like she functions really well in her job. Like she's really like you know she's very well integrated into the world, and you can almost tell just by looking at her right away that that is the case. And I should start with what I love about this video, uh, this investigative uh, segment. Was it much BBC? Like, yeah, but it's BBC Three, so it's kind of like Dateline NBC. There's <laughs> there's like a, a veneer of trash over all of it. <laughs> okay. Okay. And yeah. what I love about this video is that the segment itself treats this uh, this Yates woman. What's her first name? Emily. Emily, thank you. It treats Emily, uh, Emily unlike me, like a person. <laughs> And uh, um, so, yeah, uh, basically what she, she like embarks upon this like uh, journey to investigate what devotism or de- devoteeism is by uh, by talking to other disabled people who've encountered devotees and by talking to a selection of devotees themselves who agree to appear on camera. Um, and uh, it's a really interesting segment so, uh, I don't know, Tony, you want to take it from here? Yes, no, not really. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so it starts with her uh, taking a picture of herself in a dress or something. She was getting all ready to go for, like, some ceremony, I forget, prom or graduation or something. And she takes Some a key life event, basically. Yeah, like, some important milestone in her life, and she was happy to share it with the world. So she's excited. She dresses up, posts a picture of herself online, and 
uh, people are like, yeah, good for you. Like, or, you know, you look great, whatever the usual, uh, Facebook internet karma. And then some people were starting to say stuff like, oh, what a pretty cripple or like just focusing, sorry, focusing on her disability and like the fact that her attractiveness is related to her being disabled and her like identity as a person is related to her being disabled. And she was very understandably turned off by this. But also, she's a journalist, so she wanted to investigate. So she looked into it and found out that there is this, quote, community, I guess you could call it, um, which is basically nowadays just any three people is now a community. But uh, there seems to be a, a, a relatively flourishing community of devotees. And so... She decides to dive in and she meets, first of all, she meets a person who used to be a stripper, I think, right? Or like a pole dancer. Uh, pretty sure she was a stripper. And she was in an accident when she was young and started uh, right, she, she said right when she was first in the hospital, uh, she was like, oh, well, now I've broken my back. I'm not going to be able to walk. I still want to be a stripper or at least like be in the, the sex uh, industry, sex worker or whatever. And can I still do that if I'm disabled? So she gets a laptop in the hospital, Googles uh, wheelchair porn or something, right? Yep. And then starts working, she says, from the hospital. Okay. Hold on, Tony. Uh, I just need to interject uh, for a second. Have you ever in your life sought out uh, wheelchair porn? No. Well, okay, kind of. Um, indirectly, because I found out this girl that I was dating uh, was potentially a devotee. And there was rumor that there was a video. Of oh, like her, of her, like with, with a disabled person? Yeah. Oh, I see. So, uh, yeah, I I saw that video out. And well, that, that that's a little bit different, though. The, the, yeah, but there's I all kinds of additional it. context there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I've never gone and been like, uh, I want to watch a disabled person on in a, a video. Have Which you ever I don't dated? Know, have I ever dated a disabled person? Yeah. No, not not really. No. But probably that's probably not a conscious choice, right? Or is it? Uh, no, I mean, there are definitely like some logistical things that I'm hyper aware of, but I am very much a personality first person. So yeah. if I were to meet someone who I really got along with and they happen to be disabled, uh, I'm sure that I would pursue them. Um, but I'll definitely admit that um, I generally don't feel romantically interested in disabled people, but or I don't you think, have, I don't or know. you have yet to feel romantically oh, yeah. interested I don't know if it's because person. of that exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? So I I have dated uh, disabled people, and uh, <clears throat> I have found myself that it is difficult because it's. Uh, like when two people have a disability, uh, trying to do daily things together and help each other out is quite often harder together than uh, independently sometimes. Like like the extent of your disability can compound and things get more complicated. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's a generalization and it depends on the situation. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that I am primarily like attracted to, first and foremost to the personality and how they carry themselves and and what the chemistry is be, be, between us like it, it's almost like uh it's like if the if the desire between the two of us is strong enough like i don't give a fuck about a lot of superficial things it's purely about the strength of the uh of the attraction and the chemistry of personalities i mean obviously yeah. there are traits that there are traits that will trigger like you know desire and arousal or whatever but like sure, yeah. it, it, the, the, like they can be absent if other things 
like, you know, make up for it. So like I've discovered over time that I don't really have a type and it's purely like how well I get along with this person. And well, your what type I, is like about personality, right? Yeah. 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 I'm, maybe I'm, uh, you have personality types that you're attracted to. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, like you still have a type. It's just not based in physical appearance. Have you ever encountered a devotee yourself in the wild? I have never, I don't think I've ever encountered a devotee unless you could apply some of the like pathology of the devotee to like attendance. Then like, sure. I, I will say like, I have, I have dated like attendant care workers, like kind of like the social workers that come into uh, like our homes or, li or living spaces and help us with daily tasks, like just because of proximity and, and, uh, and like, you know, how communities crop up around a person like I have dated attendance and so maybe like I I sometimes think that like attendance exhibit those qualities because that's what draws yeah. them to the work to begin with but I don't think that they have like like a like a detrimental like like sexual pathology or something like that that's not what I'm saying so you know maybe but but yeah I've never encountered a harmful devotee well, it's definitely it's definitely a spectrum. Um, like you, I've I've also dated attendants, and it, it's it's hard to not get uh, close on an emotional basis to someone who you see often. They see you at, at at all parts of your life, and like literally at all parts of your life, like in the shower and like going to the bathroom, and and also obviously like dinner and stuff like that. So you're kind of just enjoying a meal and they're there and like sometimes they're also eating or watching a movie or whatever so like yeah you're gonna you're gonna get close and sometimes that turns into something else or whatever but um, oftentimes I, I find with like attendance and you know like maybe this is a topic for a different or for a subsequent episode of a podcast but i find that i don't have to feel any shame around them because yeah because they are there to help me and when I ask for help, like quite oftentimes, like it's never seen as an imposition to help or or like, you know, that there needs to be some way to solve this thing that I need help with on a daily basis. And that's different. Like, I definitely feel differently around my friends who, you know, like get tired of putting my shoes on or or around my parents who who regularly ask me what I would do if they were not around. And it's like... <laughs> You know what I mean? So with attendance, it's like that whole, that whole weight of of certain expectations of disabled people to normalize is not there because they're literally hired. It's their job yeah. to 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 help you. And and in that context, they they wind up sometimes seeing you as more of a person than than the people who uh, who raised you or the people because who all of grew the all of the work all the all of the the care type stuff. It's just a given. It's part of their job. It's why they're yeah. there. So then that's just kind of like uh, uh, the thing that they have to deal with or they're there to deal with. It doesn't bother them. So yeah, then they get to see you as a person outside of that because everyone is receiving a shower. Everyone is getting dressed every morning. But how is your personality affecting the dynamic that happens when that's happening? Yeah, and do you... Uh... Do you make their job easier? Do you make it like? Do you make it seamless and painless? Do you provide like positive reinforcement and and thanks for what they do? And if you if uh, you they, reciprocate, do they, do they enjoy their time with you? Yeah, if if you if you reciprocate properly, like you end up building like a genuine bond and friendship, and sometimes something a little bit more, and it can be really great. Yeah, for sure. And so like. Maybe that is somewhere on the devotee spectrum. And we haven't really explored like healthy devoteeism. This video really just focuses on sort of the, the weird fetishist side of things where yeah. everyone seems to be a little like the, the tone of the video is very uh, dark, almost heavy. And like uh, people have their face blurred out. People yeah. are meeting with them anonymously. Their yep. voices are being disguised. So there's there's something. It's not just like, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm a devotee. I just happen to love this person. And he happens to be in a wheelchair. I haven't really thought about it. 
It's yeah. not that big of a deal to me. Like, we didn't see any of that. Yeah, there's always some kind of sinister music in the background as a devotee is explaining the origin of their of their attraction and like like there's there's a note of shame underlying all of it and so it it's really confusing for me because the like the production surrounding it and the depiction of emily yates is incredibly validating like they they basically frame her and film her and position her throughout the documentary as they would just like a non-disabled correspondent and it's really cool and then, you know, and then they have her interviewing these men, like with like blurred faces, like explaining uh, the moment where they decided that they were sexually attracted to disabled people and why they're not ashamed of it. But meanwhile, it's like the footage is like a guy like staring into a shady w- webcam. And like you kind of think like it, it looks like uh, that. What's that app on? Uh, oh, chat roulette. Where like you're cycling through people's webcams and then like you're you're ninety five percent sure that everyone who's looking back at you is masturbating. Yeah. That that's what that that's what this video looks like. Like it looks like all of the devotees who are interviewed are like inappropriate uh, sex offenders. Yeah, they've got their hood up and their face blurred and yeah, yeah. But then there was that one guy. I don't I don't know how to. Should we just go through the video chronologically? But I definitely want to talk about the married guy who came on. Oh yeah, there was a there was a a married guy who agreed to meet Emily in a hotel room, and the two of them uh, sit face to face. And he explains that uh, you know when he was growing up, he had a classmate who had a certain disability, and he found her like inspirational and really interesting and really beautiful. And uh, also the way he was talking about it was just so gross to me. Like he was talking about it like he was the hero for seeing this person as attractive. Yeah. He was like, oh, it was just clear to me that she was the most beautiful person in the entire school district. Like you don't have to. It would be creepy of him to say that uh, for some other thing. So why isn't it creepy? Because he's talking about the disability. He also knew his words. He was like, she had a proximal, femoral, red lateral, make flip twist. You yeah. Know? Like he, was, he, he, he said it with a, with a kind of confidence that would suggest that he's involved in the medical field. Yeah, or that he's just like written some Wikipedia articles in his days. Yeah. I it, it like obviously it doesn't sit well with me that 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 he uh, is proud of himself for uh, being attracted to this woman, but I also don't think that it's I I don't think it's necessarily wrong to fetishize uh, like a person's disability because you, you know like why are some fetishes like okay and some are not? Yeah, I don't think it's wrong because I mean ultimately. If if someone if I'm on a dating app, someone sees that I have a crooked head and a straw in my photo and they go, Oh yeah, baby, I'm into that. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. It's the same as like if a dude's holding a big fish and he's on a boat and someone's like, Yeah, I love good fishermen, you know? I don't think that there's anything ultimately wrong with that. I mean, it depends ultimately how you act upon those feelings and whether or not you put anyone in harm's way or cause, like, or cause them to feel uh, lesser to some extent. Well, I have been reached out to on dating apps by self-identified devotees. That's I learned the term probably a couple of years ago because someone reached out to me and they seemed relatively cool reached out and it, like, hey, we have these interests in common. Uh, we're both in these fields. I'm also what you might refer to as a devotee. And I was like, I don't know what that means. But uh, like, it's definitely dating online. It really feels like you versus every able-bodied guy out there. And that's definitely a somewhat projected feeling. But at the same time, uh, I I don't think that it's uh, unlike uncommon or uh, irrational to say that you're not gonna 
have the same success rate as the exact same person if you were standing in your photos. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That first like, impression, unfortunately, yeah. is the basis for a lot of um, like jumping off points for any kind of relationship. And so if you, if you don't have an advantage that way, like it's going to be tough. And a woman on dating app has, is like literally just sausages being thrown at her face every day. Yeah. And so like. That has its own, like, I mean, (laughs) like that's awful in its own right. Yeah. Jamie's speaking from experiences of having sausages thrown in his face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm constantly dodging sausage, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, it was, it was really weird. I don't. I still don't really know how I feel about it because on one hand, ultimately, I'd love to find someone who is actually very physically attracted to me. Also, of course, I want them to like my personality. Yeah. But I don't want it to be, well, I like their personality so I can get over the fact that blah, blah, blah. Like, that that doesn't sound like a great foundation to a relationship. Imagine she, like, starts buying you, like, like accessories for your chair the same way that like dudes like stereotypically buy lingerie for their girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I bought you these new hubcaps. They had even more spokes. Tony, I bought you this like non-ergonomic, slightly uncomfortable headrest <laughs> just to see how you struggle. Did you just go the whole day without turning your chair on just to just to see how it feels? Maybe we'll unplug your headrest so you can't move it on your own. I'm not going to help you out of your commode, Tony. Well, I oh, remember that one guy in this video who's like, um, <laughs> send a like if you want more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just some oh, yeah. creepy clip of a clearly disabled guy, like, exposing his, like, limb in some uh, clearly salacious or inappropriate way. Yeah, <laughs> like my nub, baby. If you want to see my other nub, DM me with more. And he like slobbers into the camera. He's like, <laughs> the whole thing. The way he said more, time. I actually, I was watching it and drinking water at the same time. And I snorted the water. Because <laughs> he was like, I want more. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. But so then there's also like those people who are like, um, like very specific things. Like, I want one girl with the right leg uh, to be a little bit uh, below the knee amputated, and then the left leg to be right above the knee amputated. And then like, uh, I want to like, like watch you like oil up your nub. Like that was a real thing. There was a bunch of clips of. Disabled limbs being oiled up. <laughs> like that was, that was an unfortunately common theme. So it was just close up shots of like skinny, atrophied legs being rubbed in oil or like lubricated with some. Because I imagine, I, I think that if you're amputated, if, you have, if you're an amputee, then you have uh, some like skin requirement to keep it moisturized. I think that's a thing. Like some otherwise, skincare regimen. Yeah, because like, otherwise you get that weird like elbow shit that people get where it's like hard and crusty and just doesn't you know what I mean? Like like like, like they call it like ashes. Yeah, like ashy skin. But yeah, I yeah. I don't know. Like no, it's not not necessarily that. <laughs> there's I think there's a thing where like you can get like like your elbows are, are different. Your, the skin on your elbow is different than the skin everywhere around your elbow. Right? Am I... <laughs> why, why are we talking about elbows? Because I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Like, what I'm saying is, for amputees, I think that there is like an actual beneficial reason. To why they have that them. cream? Yeah, they have oh, to, so like, the cream the cream is not like for is not meant for sexual purposes. I don't think so, but then they, I also think they don't need to necessarily go all the way up to their shoulder either. You know, like mm-hmm. I think they're doing it for the video. But yeah, it's I don't know. I just I just don't know how I feel, man. Like, is it on one hand it's fine because they're just people who happen to 
be attracted to this somewhat weird thing to be attracted to. But then as a disabled person on the receiving end of it, is it weird for me to think that's weird? Like I was uncomfortable watching some of the videos like of like um, her transferring and watching her feet like drag on the floor and stuff. It, it didn't make me feel it was almost the opposite of arousal. So we should we should clarify that uh, one part, <clears throat> one key part of the segment is when Emily Yates decides to make a video uh, to put on Pornhub like for a devotee audience. And she pulls like uh, a Reddit forum to find out, you know, what kinds of things the devotees want to see. And they want to see her get up out of bed or transfer into her car or like, you know, uh, engage in any kind of daily transfer or difficult task that she might uh, run into on a daily basis. And so she gets her documentary crew to film her just getting into her car. And if you if you have cerebral palsy, you know, you have like tight hamstrings and spasticity and like you need time to figure out how to get out of your chair because you know you, your lower extremities never quite react the way you intend uh so you watch uh uh emily go through this and it seems like her cerebral palsy is uh much less severe than mine so it, it's she's still like you know photogenic and the extent of her atrophy is minimal so she she looks don't she looks good while she's doing it. On your CPD. You just get What's a that? <laughs> <clears throat> well, I've been a I've been an indoor wheelie now for six months, and <laughs> I feel like a feral child, or I I feel disheveled and disgusting and asymmetrical and gross. <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway, um, so they they film Emily uh, uh, doing this transfer, and then they put it online, and the comments or the compliments that she gets on the on Pornhub are really not very valuable for her. Pornhub? Yeah, it was. Really? Yeah, they show that but she got 4,000. Four, I know. Well, I mean, I guess it's considered sexual for devotees and therefore it, belong, it, it constitutes porn. That's really, I didn't realize it was on Pornhub. That's messed up. That's weird. Like, like do you think YouTube would take it down? It can't, that, that would be, I would be kind of annoyed if she posted well, that same video on YouTube and YouTube was like this is not safe for work because it was literally she was fully clothed she just transferred to her car yeah but it's like it's material uh, with the intent to provoke arousal from the audience so therefore it's porn that's messed up it is I guess it's important I don't know if we already mentioned this but like the fact that they strictly are, are asking for the, the person making the video to show themselves struggling. That was like a real part of it. It wasn't it wasn't like we want to watch you just be disabled in your natural way. They want you to emphasize your disability. Right. They want you to be they want you to struggle to do something. If you're doing it easily, you're not disabled enough. Right. Which I mean I could I really should make an OnlyFans account. Well, I mean, but isn't that also kind of what BDSM is like, like, like a, a power struggle and people get off on that and it's somewhat socially accept acceptable. Um, but isn't the power struggle like, uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's consensual. Yeah. It's, role well, play. it's kind of role, it's play, role right? play a bit, but like you can give them, you can like tie them up or something to make them less able to resist or whatever yeah so no, what's the I, difference i guess no that's a good point i guess the difference is like i don't know i guess it's the most authentic bdsm ever because you don't because they are ropes. truly helpless <laughs> yeah you don't need the ropes it's also good for the budget you don't have to buy any equipment but <laughs> well emily doesn't like the reception that she gets for the video and the whole point the, the video's conclusion ends up being that devoteeism is not a source of validation or may not uh, typically be a source of validation for the disabled community. And therefore, it's probably not all that healthy. Yeah. 
Well, um, and I and I I I don't know if I agree with that. I think my problem with this whole video again goes back to the fact that uh, the tone like has an undercurrent of shame throughout the whole thing, and yeah. it's like. It's like uh, it's like uncovering the seedy underbelly of people who are attracted to the disabled. And my problem is that, like, like, I don't think we've normalized enough the very fact that disabled people want to have um, intimate lives. They, they want like love and affection and, and they want to date and they want intimacy. And so if you if we haven't really had that conversation, then creating a video with a disabled person which kind of uh, like gives it an air of legitimacy whereby we um look at how the able-bodied world fetishizes us like it doesn't really help because it, it sort of validates people's uh fear of the disabled in some way and uh well it definitely makes them more it's very objectified so they're you're removing the human element still which i think is a major problem with the overall awareness of disability is like the understanding that there there's they're essentially human people and then they also are in chairs or whatever they have missing limbs or whatever so like it it does there was one doctor who actually said it pretty well, right? He was like, um, if you fetishize something, then you also run the risk of not being able to have an emotional mutual care for that thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they become the object of your sexual desire as opposed to the object of your like affection. Yeah, well, there was that one girl who literally said that she couldn't... Uh, if she found out that there was like you, for example, I don't think you would be disabled enough for her because you can actually transfer. And yeah, she was like, even though I'm in a wheelchair, even though he's in a wheelchair, he can still move. And it just wasn't enough for me. Like he, he wasn't disabled enough for me to be attracted. And yeah. me, there's something real messed up about that. Like you, it shouldn't, I don't know. Well, we, we looked up, you looked up some stuff and found some, psychological theories around why that might happen, right? Like why a devotee might exist. And there was that one, uh, the Darwin one, which was crazy. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, it was the idea that devotees uh, see disabled people as proven in natural selection. So it's it's like they've cheated uh, death. I love this one. Yeah, like by overcoming their adversity. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, it's like the very fact that you are alive and like a functioning adult, like proves that you're a viable partner. That's so smart. If that's actually what devotees are thinking, I'm into it. I'm 100% sold. Everything I just said, who cares? If they think that we are the superior next generation because we've somehow hack the system, beating the odds, and come out on top. We got the best swimmers. Nobody has swimmers like us. People tell me all the time I got the best swimmers. Like, that's that's something I want to get behind. That is a cause. There was also the whole thing at the beginning of this video, going over how there's all these communities. And I have not found any communities i've actively looked because i'm like maybe that will help me date someone maybe i need to find like the devotee of bumble the devotee bumble bumble for devotees like i looked online and i was like where are these communities and then i found this person on reddit who uh was a disabled person and she was marketing her skills as a sex worker for devotees and i reached out to her and was like uh, where do you find these devotees <laughs> did she get back to you yeah she was like i just post on like reddit and stuff and eventually they come out of the woodwork so <laughs> so what you're saying is you want to film your own bbc3 segment about devotees yeah yeah i'll just I'll do a video of me like just putting my head back up on the headrest or like 
my hand is just an inch off the joystick and I like can't move. The other day I was out with a friend and it was like pretty cold. We were coming back from a patio and my hand, when it gets cold, I can't really move it. And so I have a harder time driving my chair. And I got stuck on the joystick, driving myself in circles. Oh, no. And I was on the intersection. <laughs> and At night? So like, yeah. So like, I feel like I was with my friend and he, he, was, he helped me and turned my chair off and did what needed to happen. But so it wasn't like a dangerous situation. But that would have been the perfect video to film. <laughs> <laughs> like you're literally like a life or death life or death situation. There's like cars driving around me, like I'm just doing circles. <laughs> and I was like laughing because I was like, this is outrageous. But I feel like, yeah, if if a person wants to watch me struggle, I got you covered. <laughs> yeah. Um what were some of the other theories of why devotees exist? I think there's so, like the, okay, go ahead. There's the idea that um, living with a disability uh, attracts a lot of attention and uh, positive affirmation from the non-disabled community. Um, basically, like admiration. And if if somebody notices that, if an able-bodied person notice notices that as a small child, they may become drawn to it and want to experience it vicariously. So becoming the partner and or spouse of a disabled person um, makes them admirable by proxy. Well, those people would probably also be the the pretenders or the wishers, right? The people who... There are actually some people who want to be an amputee so bad that they will cut their own arm off. Yeah, it's to the point of self-harm, eh? Yeah, or there's people who will just get a wheelchair and sit in it and pretend to be disabled, kind of like what CDAC used to do, with like right. those, those like disability challenge videos or whatever. The yeah, wheelchair the, challenge. the uh, Carlson University every year where Anthony and I went to school together used to host these events where they would give out manual chairs to able-bodied students and they'd have to live 24 hours in the manual chair um, trying to get to class through the uh, through the tunnels and or back to residence and into their bathrooms. And the rule was that they couldn't leave the chair throughout that entire 24-hour period. I would know, like to talk to one person who actually followed the rule. Like, well, you know, as soon as they went to the bathroom, they got up into their chair and they went to the bathroom. Yeah, there's no way that they would put, like, risk uh, spillage. No, at all. No. Just just for the sake of an authentic you disabled need risk experience. Spillage. You need to pee on yourself at least once to be yeah. a stable person. Yeah, 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 yeah. As absolutely. soon as as soon as a doctor diagnoses you, they hand you a urinal and they're like, try it out. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> you can't you do got. this, you're fucked. Here's a urinal, here's a towel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like like it's not the true like CDAC uh, disability awareness day unless somebody else has had to wipe your ass that day. <laughs> <laughs> that I will say is probably the worst part about being disabled. <laughs> uh, we could do I could do a whole episode on the perils of ass wipes. Yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst game. Of I Pindertail. literally shut down while it's happening. Yeah, on the curve. <laughs> Dude, okay, I'm just going to go into this little tiny anecdote because it's perfect for that. Yeah. I had this one attendant, you know who you are, who would used to just grab the toilet, he was just grab the toilet paper, ball it up randomly as if he was literally had his eyes closed, just throw it somewhere on my butt and I'd have to go left, left, left. A bit to the right, no, back a bit, back a bit, until we both, like, pinpointed my butthole. Like, I was, like, some commander of a, like, battleship and just having to give him coordinates. And then eventually, and, and not only that, but he would do it. He'd do the wipe and then get rid of that paper towel or toilet paper, grab another thing, and go all over the place, as if he just forgot where my butthole is from three seconds ago. Oh, and we so go through it every single wipe. We go through this thing, 
And you basically guaranteed not to have a clean butthole if that's the person who... Well, no, to be honest, I was probably most guaranteed a clean butthole. Because I had pinpoint precision. <laughs> you knew the exact coordinates I of your own butthole. I knew the coordinates, dude. Like, I was so ready. I was like, right one inch, left half an inch, back three quarters of an inch. I thought about getting a bullseye tattoo. I was already. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I feel like uh, between that and the bedpans and uh, we went through some crazy stuff at the beginning. We probably lost some significant uh, listeners, but I'm, I'm on board for it. But anyway, how do we how do we get to the how do we get to the oh yeah, CDAC thing? The pretenders, that's how it started. People who actually pretend to be disabled. That's a crazy thing. Oh, maybe that's something for another episode. Yeah, because that's not in uh, in the Wikipedia article. They call it DPW, right? It's a right. devotee, pretender, wisher, something like that. A wannabe, oh, wannabe. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, this is. I guess we can just talk about devotees for this one, but the pretenders is wild. Wannabes. I don't. I don't know. Like, I get it. I guess it's the same as like they say. People who are really into, like, feet, for example, they probably uh, just, I don't know, maybe they saw their mom walking around with feet a lot, or maybe it's like that the, I'm pretty sure the foot part of your brain and the arousal part of your brain are very close to each other or something. So, like, if they get mixed up when you're young, then they become the same thing. Are you talking about, like, sexual synesthesia or something? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's what happened to the devotees. It's like the wheelchair part of your brain. (laughs) Like, everyone has a wheelchair part of their brain. I don't know. I really like the theory that we are all just uh, evolutionarily ahead of the curve because we should have died, but we haven't. So people go... We gotta make babies with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the adversity he survived. <laughs> he's been through some stuff and he's doing great. He's he knows the coordinates of his own butthole. He knows where his butthole is. <laughs> he's doing donuts in the intersection. These guys are killing him. He can scratch his nose with his beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, well, that was an interesting stat you read too, right? Where of the DPWs, a small percentage, 5%, end up actually marrying a disabled person. Yeah, 40% will have dated or had intimate relations with a disabled person, but only 5% will have actually committed to them. And I think that we were just joking, like, that's just because of the um, the impractical, like, idea of committing to a disabled person <laughs> and of it being a I lifelong like what you got on paper but I don't know if I'm ready for I'm going to have to play the pin the, t- pin the paper on the butthole game every morning yeah, I don't yeah. know if I'm ready for that yeah that kind of takes the romance out of it <laughs> are you going to have someone there wiping your butt for you because I don't know if I really want that either <laughs> Is it going like, to be me wiping your butt? Are you going to have another girl wipe your butt? Either way. <laughs> imagine if you were like a multi-million dollar wheelie. Like you were like a a, a pop superstar, Anthony McAuliffe. And uh, <laughs> like you are rich enough to have a staff of people looking after your every need. You, you literally have a wiper. One, yeah. <laughs> whose one job was to wipe the butt. Yeah. You got the other person who's like really good at feeding you. And yeah. the other person who can like... Blow your nose real well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this girl's got loofah potential. <laughs> this girl gives a mean shampoo. <laughs> One day you notice you have streaks in your underwear, so you fire your, your butt wiper. <laughs> do you fire your butt wiper or do you fire your shower person? <laughs> <laughs> You set them both down, you go, okay, whose fault was this? Yeah. You, got, you, got, you got the underwear on the table. This yeah, is yeah. This week. Yeah. Now, I remember yesterday, we got this person, this person, they're both here, they're both fine. 
But Fernando, <laughs> you're responsible for the butt wipe and you're responsible for the shower. And then they're like arguing over it. <laughs> like, I wiped his butt. He gave me the coordinates. I <laughs> <laughs> I hit the butthole. It was a bullseye on the butthole. <laughs> it was a bullseye every time. There were streaks on the paper. You only go find them. You start taking pictures for evidence. Yeah. <laughs> the bottom line is the streak is too dense. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got to so work gotta together. Get fired here. You got to coordinate your effort here. <laughs> Either way, you both owe me a new pair of underwear. <laughs> It's their fault. <laughs> Is that a good note to end it on? Yeah, I, mean, I was just thinking, like, what a great way to end it. <laughs> now we got to do our outro music. That's on you. Oh, God. You got to do the outro music, dude. Uh, Tony, I'm not very good at, like, uh, karaoke do, or singing do, on do the your, Do your bumper, like, a, like a, that was a triple threat episode. <laughs> This concludes tonight's episode of Cripple Threat. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to pay someone to do that. Yeah, really. Oh no. Amazing. Let me uh hit that stop recording button. And then we can just uh dive right in. <laughs> <laughs>